morning to introduce our speaker, uh, Tristan Monteroso. He's from Roatan, Honduras. Um, my wife and I have made several trips there, and God uh, orchestrated us uh, meeting him and his wife, Nicole, and uh, just uh, really created a bond. And uh, for if and if you're not aware, uh, when I talk about uh, Roatan, Honduras, um, uh, Roatan is an island off the northern coast of uh, Honduras. The island's about uh, approximately 37 miles long by five miles wide. So it's what I'm referring to. So uh, anyway, but Tristan uh, is uh, is a man that just truly loves the Lord. I've had the honor to um, walk with him through the uh, cities there in Roatan, and you know, is truly a man that that walks it out. Uh, he just goes and pours into people that that are hurting and in need, and loves on them and shares the word. And um, I was telling first service, you know, that you very quickly learn that Tristan is someone that if you come within his personal space, you're going to hear about Jesus. The thing is, his personal space is about 30 feet in diameter around him. So if you're anywhere near him, you're going to hear about Jesus. So anyway, so my good friend Tristan, let me pray for you here. Heavenly Father, just thank you for Tristan coming and just for the, the sacrifice to leave his uh, his wife and his three sons and to come here and be with us this morning, Father. Just pray that you would just pour out through him, Father, into us, Father, that they may impart and uh, that we will receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Hello to everyone. God bless you. Thank you for being here. I know sometimes it can be an obstacle. To make it here and, and have fellowship, so I applaud you and celebrate that you made it. That's great. Um, I'd like you to look at the person next to you and say, hello, how are you? God bless you. Now, that's a lot of God bless you. Now I would love for you to just look at them, look, look into their eyes, please. Make, make a great connection because you're about to say something really awesome. Everyone's ready? Okay, you got to say Don't think about it. Just say what I say, okay? Look at them and say, you are not responsible for the face you have. Okay, but now, now you're going to say something else. But, but you are responsible for the face you make. Everyone feel good about that? Just a nice way to love on each other. Amen. I've been asked to speak about community, about cultivating community, about working together, about reaching those that we have yet to reach and I was asking God, what is, what is the most important thing we can learn about community? And uh, he took me to Matthew 12, 46 through 50. So if you would turn there, we're also going to have it up on the screen. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 through 50. And it's really all we need to know about community. If you we, if we don't understand this, please stay after. Everyone's ready? Here we go. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Can you just stop right there for a second? Has anyone here ever 
had their family show up and just want to talk to you? You're in the middle of something and your family shows up. And we know how family is. Family is so understanding. You know, especially when we're doing something for God. You know, they really embrace us and they support us and they encourage us and encourage our faith and our obedience. Right? So here's Jesus, real busy doing something, and his earthly family shows up, and they want him to stop what he's doing and to receive them. Most of us, we stop what we're doing immediately, no matter what it is. I mean, if my mother and brother came in right now and, hey, Tristan, how you doing? Can you just come talk to us for a little bit and just forget about all these people? For some reason, we think it's okay. We really do, and we disconnect so quickly from what God has us doing or wants us to do. Let's continue reading, please. He replied to him, Who is my brother? Who is my mother, and who is my brother? And then he pointed. Can everyone just point to somebody? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother, my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Whoever does the will of my Father. Now it is so natural, no matter where you travel in the world, wherever you're born or the family you're born into, that's your community. And you begin to build relationships and you begin to practice the, the culture and, and everything that they have there. You begin to adopt that system as your way of life. So it's cool and, and it's fine and we understand that. But what happens when you're born of God? Don't you have a new family? Isn't there a new culture? And for some reason we struggle with that. We struggle with that so much. And I just thought it was so interesting because until Jesus began to preach... He was totally fine with his earthly family. But when he began to walk out his assignment, he said, the will of the Father, that's what I'm after. He spent a good while preparing himself. But when the time came, amen? So keep that in your, in your mind as we go forward, okay? I wrote this down as I was talking to the Father. Community should be the corporal manifestation of the relationship between Christ and the church. And I feel like we like to separate this and disconnect this, you know, like state and church kind of thing. You know, we're like, Father, I can see the community is hurting. And I just believe you're going to do something about it. And I think a lot of times God says, you know what I really want? I want a better relationship with you so that that community that is hurting can see what is happening in your life, desire it and want it and receive it because the love of God is for everybody. Oh, Lord, the community is hurting, hurting so much. And he says, yeah, so is the relationship you have with me. It should be the manifestation of how things are between us and Christ. 
sometimes things aren't too good. You want to give fruit, remain in Him. And sometimes we find awesome excuses and reasons to disconnect. I was going to pray, Lord, but my family showed up. And they don't visit too often. So I don't feel bad walking away from you because I know you're faithful. And when I come back, you're going to be there. And we separate. We disconnect. And we lose out and other people lose out. Amen? Jesus lived for 30 years. And he really didn't do much in his community. Then one day he was baptized. Holy Spirit came down. And then all of a sudden, he began to influence his community and any community, anywhere he went. So if you're someone in here that's saying, oh, it took Jesus 30 years to get around to it. Maybe I'm just not ready. Maybe it's not my time. And you know what? I would agree with you if you have not yet received Jesus Christ. If you have not yet received the Holy Spirit, but if you have, then what is your excuse? You see, that opportune time that we're supposed to make a difference happens when we're different. When we're born again. When we're born of God. When everything is different. But oh, we desire it to be the same. God, would you just come into my mess? And don't change it. Just find somewhere to sit down in the midst of my mess. And I'll get around to you when I want to. That's not the way it works, right? Christians struggle with pride. They fear it. Talking to Christians, right? They struggle with it. And they say... Let me see how I can choose my words so they don't sound prideful. Let me find the words. So you talk to Christians, and Christians talk really slow. I mean, the, the more mature a Christian is, the slower they speak. How was that time of fellowship, brother? It was what it was. They're like, what are you saying? <laughs> well, the brother, the brother said what he had to say. We're so, we don't want to say anything that sounds prideful. We don't want to say anything that offends anyone for fear of like, I don't know, it's so weird. So we take the better road and we say we're going to be humble. Man, Christians know how to be humble. We practice it. I mean, we look in the mirror. My humble face. We, 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 have you ever practiced it? Come on. Come on now. Be honest. Be free. Be free from that. We want to be so humble. I'd like you to just be honest. Has anyone here been chosen by God? Would you just raise your hands up and just be honest? You've been chosen by God? Why are you afraid to say that to people that don't believe? You say it in here and I had to ask you three times. 
You don't say it in the community. You don't say it in the work environment. You don't say it in schools. You don't want to say it. I've been chosen by God. That is the greatest statement you can make to stay humble. Did you know that? Let's go to the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 through 31. We're also going to have it up on the board for you. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 31. Let's see if we can deal with this pride issue. Amen. Here we go, everybody. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And he chose the lowly things of the world, the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. How many have been chosen by God? Come on, come on. That'll keep you humble. It will keep you humble. Because as long as you recognize that, you will stay submitted to God. You will honor Him and glorify Him. But as soon as you start thinking that you are doing it all by yourself and operating by yourself, that's where pride is a big issue. But if you would lead your conversations by, I've been chosen by God, redeemed by God, You're putting yourself in that place where you're going to be safe. And even though you should watch your words, we shouldn't speak like if we don't know how to speak. Amen? We need to express ourselves and just say it. It was awesome. It was great. Thank God for this person, for that person. It was wonderful. We should celebrate. But for fear of sounding prideful, we just don't celebrate anything. The worship just now... It wouldn't have been awful if we just stood and, and applauded heaven and applauded God for 10, 15 minutes. It wouldn't have been awful. But maybe out of place. I want you just to question things a little bit. Amen? It is because of Him that you are in Christ who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, we don't want to boast about anything, not even the Lord anymore, and it's not nice. We're missing out on opportunities to be happy. People think the body of Christ is boring. What do you think? Romans 12, please. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We got to walk it out. We got to live it every day. Your life has to be offered to God continually. Every day, His mercies are new. Every day we got something to do. Amen. Every day. Sometimes we just don't know what to do and what's going on. And we just want to take a permanent vacation. And we get so busy doing nothing. That when our earthly families call us and invite us to do nothing. We say yes we have time to do nothing. (laughs) And then we wonder why we give no fruit. Amen. Verse 2, 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. It's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, we were just talking about the family. Jesus said, my family does the will of my Father who is in heaven. His will. So important. So if we are just following what everybody else is doing in this world, in a fallen world that is going nowhere, if we're doing everything they're doing, how can we test and approve to what God's will is? Because we're accepting somebody else's will. And we're staying stuck. And we don't know what's going on with, with God. We don't know what's going on around the world. I had an opportunity to pray for three young people the other day when I was in Austin. And um, I was telling them how, how great God is because He's great. And uh, these teenagers had some questions for me. And one of them said, if God is so great, why was I taken away from my family when I was just a child? Tough question. The other one said, if God is so great, why did he let my father die when I was so young? And I miss my father. I don't have him anymore. Question number three was, if God is so great, why was I raped? So I said, I'm going to need some help. You ever been in those moments where you really need some wisdom and some direction? And all of a sudden, it came to me. I'll tell you the rest in a little bit. <sighs> you want it right now? I asked them if those things happened to them before they received Christ or after. And they said before. And I said, good, because it happened to your old self. Not to your new self. Does that mean anything to anybody? We're letting things have ownership over us that don't have the right. You might have been broken, but you're not broken anymore. Amen? Colossians 3, if you would go there please, it's also going to be up on the screen. Colossians 3, verse 5 through 11. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And you have put on your new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Wow. Isn't that powerful? You know, God encourages us that if we are really going to live for Him, 
There has to be a before and after. If we're going to walk it out and change our community, and we're going to cultivate something that is going to grow, and it's going to transform other people in other areas, and it's going to turn around the direction that everyone is going towards destruction, if it's really going to happen, there has to be a moment that we say, these things that were dominating my old self, they cannot, will not dominate the new self. You just got to have that moment. Have it now if you want. I mean, you got to have it. Really. Because you'll be walking it out like this and just not going anywhere. Well, I did a mile. But the old self is just dragging you and holding on to you and slowing you down. There's got to be a moment where you say, none of that can touch me anymore. It can't have me anymore. I've been purchased by the blood of the Lamb and I am stepping it out. I'm walking it out. I'm going forward because He goes ahead of me. He prepares the way. And I advance in victory, from victory. We always want to advance from defeat. What? We advance from a position of victory. Amen. If anyone's writing stuff down, write that down. That's good. Philippians 3, Philippians 3, verse 18. My wife says I use too many verses when I preach. I tell her I like the word. I don't know if you're like my wife or like me, but here we are. Philippians 3, 18. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Lord, I recognize what your cross has done for me. I recognize it and I receive it. But yet I am ashamed of it. What's happening to us? We cannot live as enemies of the cross. We cannot bite the hand that feeds us. Verse 19, their destiny is their destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Now, I live in a country that's considered third world. This is a country that's considered first world. And from what I've gathered, first world countries seem to deal with this a lot more because they have a lot more. In third world countries, you have a heck of a lot less. But here you seem to have so much that you need storage. We get so busy setting our mind on earthly things. And we don't have time to pick up our cross and follow Jesus anywhere. I don't know if you want to change countries, but we, we, need, we need to set our mind on heavenly things, on our assignment, on our mission, on our task. We need to. Amen. Verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power 
that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that we can be like His glorious body. Are you eagerly awaiting Christ? Because He's going to show up and He's not going to tell you He's coming. He doesn't even know. Are we really living like we're expecting Him to come at any moment? I think not. And it's really sad. Really, really sad. I just want to repeat this one more time because I read it kind of fast. So I just want to point out something. Their glory is their shame. I don't know what you talk about. I don't know what you laugh about. I don't know what you celebrate in your life. But if you're not carrying your cross daily, it may be that your glory is your shame. If all you talk about is earthly things and earthly accomplishments, your glory might just be your shame. Your trophy case might not be that shiny anymore. Am I speaking to anybody today? I want to talk to you about the Samaritan woman because she is awesome. I don't know how many times you've read about her or heard about her, but she's awesome. And um, Jesus goes over to her. Nice, normal day, ordinary day, like any other day. He goes over to her and he says, hey, how you doing? And he knows she's a mess. And he begins to talk to her and have a great conversation with her. And you know, something happens that she begins to recognize him for who he is. And she begins to receive what he is pouring into her life. And you know what she does? She gets as much of Jesus as she can get. And then she goes home and watches TV. No, right? She got as much as she could get. And she ran to her community to tell them, to invite them, to share with them, just like we do. Just like you're going to do when you walk out of here today. You're not even going to be hungry. She was so full of Jesus. She ran to the same community that maybe some didn't like her. Some of those nice neighbors that give you those nice looks when you drive by. Some of those neighbors that you are just certain they will never come to Christ. Because they don't accept you the way you are. She went to everybody she cast the net for the whole community. Maybe some people that she had had relationships with. Maybe some people that didn't think too highly of her. She went to them. You know what's so cool? When you really read the story, it says that they came to Jesus and they said, Now we see what we had heard about. You know what that's, you know what that's like? That's totally different from what we do. You know what we do? We go out there on our community missions and community marches and everything. And we say, you know what, guys? You should come to church on Sunday. You should come at 930 or at 1130 because there's someone there that's going to do something. And we don't do anything when we're there with them. 
When the community arrived where Jesus was, they had already heard about him. She had already sown into their lives. She had already provoked something inside of them. No one comes to church because they want to. Churches are, are not as full as they should be because we're inviting unbelievers. The Bible says that believers congregate. Why are we inviting unbelievers to congregate? They're like, what? What's wrong with these people? What's wrong with us? Find unbelievers wherever they are. Lead them to Christ. Then they're going to congregate. Someone agrees. What are we doing? And we have all these strategies. We have all these strategies and we're going to try them all. If they accept Christ, they'll come. Amen? They'll congregate somewhere. The Holy Spirit got you here. Hmm. Amen. I was in Austin, Texas uh, this past week and I just decided to be a little bold and a little crazy because... God told me something, and I don't know if he's shared anything similar with you, but he told me what you do here at the pulpit cannot be the majority of your service and obedience to me. This should not even amount to 10%. I mean, he told me that. So I was like, okay. And I try to spend the least amount of time here possible. So whenever I go anywhere, I just go into the community and I just share Christ everywhere. So anyway, I decided to go to Walmart. How many have been there before? <laughs> so I went over to handicapped parking. And there was a nice big pole there. And I just kind of leaned against the pole. And said, anyone that drives into handicapped, they're mine. <laughs> that was my big plan. So all of a sudden, someone came up and I said, hey, Jesus loves you. I'm like, what? I said, I'll give you two choices. That's how I do it, okay? Like, like John was saying, the radius gets out there, okay? So I give you two choices. I can pray for you or pray with you. But you're going to get it. That's how I do it. <laughs> you know, sometimes people want to pray with you, and that's great. And sometimes they don't care. But you know what? I have a heart of Jesus, so I care. So the people that wanted prayer, I prayed with them. Those that didn't, well, I just prayed for them. And there was one particular um, man that really, really impacted me. He was there with his son, big old guy, fo football player. And um, I walked over to him and I can pray for you or pray with you. You decide now. You know, the big guy. You know, I'm not that big. So anyway, um, he looks at me. He says, I'll pray with you. Let's pray together. And his son pulls on him and says, Daddy, come on. And he grabs him, pulls him back, and says, Son, watch this. That's a guy that I would not have prayed for if I looked at him with natural eyes. Just to give you a little, little extra there. <laughs> and he said, Watch this. And I said, What's going on? He says, I broke my knee. So I got down on my knees and started praying for him, and God just came around us, surrounded us. It was so beautiful. And um, we hugged, we embraced, and everything, and they went on their way. You know, but I mean, it's just amazing, amazing. And then there was one guy that was coming out. He was already parked there when I got there. He was coming out, and he was a real mean 
frustrated, upset type individual. So that was fun. So um, at a distance, I just kind of, hey, I love Jesus. What about you? Mm. So, sir, I can pray for you or pray with you. He didn't even answer. He opened the door, got in, closed the door. But he didn't drive away yet. So I got there by the window. Remember, you're responsible for the face you make. So he started the car, put the window down about halfway. He says, what do you want? I want to pray for you. He says, I'm overweight. Pray for that. Okay, Father, I can ask you. Help him to have supernatural weight loss and just help him out. He puts it in reverse and he starts to drive out. And the guy left. But I prayed for him. You know, so many times we want to love with our love. And our love is like selfish. You know, we want, we want something back always. And God's love, He just releases it. And man, if we could just release some love, you know. God is faithful to reward us. I mean, He's got heaven prepared for us. I mean, what, what do you want back here? Just love. Love and love and love. Amen? One of the reasons why I'm here um, sharing with you today is because what God has been asking me to do in Rotan is just awesome, and everyone's heard about it, and it's great fruit and great testimony, and glory be to God. And I'm not here to talk about myself, but I need to say this. The reason I'm here today is because of that awesome work that's happening in Rotan. But I want to tell you something. Rotan is the hardest place for me. It's my hometown. For you, Rotan is another nation, and it's exciting. We're going on a mission trip. We're going to help some people. Those are my neighbors. They look at me and they say, "That's I know his father. I know his mother. I know his brother. I know him. Why is he talking to me about Jesus? What makes him so special? Well, what makes me special is I don't need them to tell me I'm special. I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. I know where I was brought from. Only God can exalt me. I stand firm on my belief and on my salvation. And I take the word out every day. I'll tell you, some days I get up and these feet don't want to walk. This mouth doesn't want to open. I'm telling you guys, it sounds so strange. Everyone, for some reason, that doesn't live in Rotan, just assumes Rotan is this easy place. Let's go to Rotan. Let me tell you something. Rotan is hard for me. Don't run away from what's hard. You know? People don't want to talk to anyone in their community because it's hard. Just because you're going to give less fruit at home, doesn't mean you have the option to give less effort. Amen? I want to talk to you a little bit about Cornelius and, and Peter. We're not going to read it just because of time. But um, Cornelius is a man that doesn't know too much about God, but he begins to give God what he has. He prays. He brings people to his house. He begins to share what he has. He offers all that he has when in reality he doesn't have too much. But he gives it all. And one day God sends an angel and he says, You know what, Cornelius, I want you to go and send for Peter. Bring Peter. You've got to bring Peter fast. And when they get over to where Peter is, Peter is praying. 
God is talking to him. God is filling him up. And Peter goes with Cornelius' men and he gets there. And he begins to talk to them about Jesus. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just comes. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. The fire just comes upon everybody. And I don't know if you've ever done something for the Lord that gets you in trouble. But it seems that we get in trouble with believers more than anybody else. So everyone wanted to know what was wrong with Peter. Why did Peter do that? So they questioned his actions. And he said, I was talking to him. And the Holy Spirit did to them what the Holy Spirit did to us. Who am I to get in God's way? You know, guys, when you're going out to the community, we need to stop thinking, I wonder if God wants to do in them what he did in me. It should be an automatic. God, do in them what you've done in us. It's the same love, the same compassion he's shown for us, he'll show for them. And we shouldn't be surprised when it happens. They call Peter to a meeting. So Peter, what was that all about? Instead of, woohoo, man, that was amazing. Peter, we heard. Peter, why'd you go there? What's that all about? I just want to ask you guys and encourage you, don't be like that. Please don't be like that. Amen? Um, really quickly, I just want to tell you that... Um, I had purchased two vehicles, one for myself, one for my wife, and, and one day God, God, God orders me sometimes, and He instructs me sometimes, and other times He just likes to suggest. And that really messes with me. Um, so God showed me a family that didn't have a vehicle, and He said to me, He said, you know what would be really nice? If they had a vehicle. All right. So I got my wife, and we prayed, and we drove the vehicles over to their house, walked in, gave them my vehicle, and drove back in her vehicle. And you know that simple little act of love and obedience? The next morning I woke up, and I was going to go do something. And my wife needs her vehicle for what she does. I went outside. My wife came, she says, how are you going to go do what you got to go do? I'm going to walk. What? I can lend you my car for half an hour, but I need it. No, no, no. Hold on. That is your car. When we're doing something together, we'll enjoy it together. That's your vehicle. This is me and God. Between me and God. I said, I'll see you later. I love you. And I started walking. And I ran into somebody. And how are you doing? Good. Nice to see you. Okay. God bless you. Started walking into my community. And you know what I learned? I was driving past the people I was supposed to bless. I haven't had a vehicle for a little over four years. Some days I get up and I come outside. This is true. I mean, it's amazing. I come outside and there's someone parked outside. I'm like, hey, what are you doing, brother? God told me to drive you wherever you want to go today. Driver, and I'm not paying for the gas. Some days um, I have to walk out to the main road and a taxi comes by and I'll get in the taxi cab and the cab driver receives the Lord. The passengers that get in receive the Lord and we're just having a good old time. And 
I don't want to walk by the people I'm supposed to bless anymore. So as you're walking it out right, right now, guys, and, and changing the community, don't pass by the people that you're assigned to bless. Amen? I want you guys to think about noble thoughts. Think about what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Think about the things that give God glory. Amen? When you're out there with people, guys, think about these wonderful things. Has anybody, brother, help me out up there, please. Anybody seen those t-shirts that say, what would Jesus do? There it is up there on the screen. You've seen it, right? This is something that really frustrates me. I'm not from this country. I'm from another country. This frustrates me. It's okay to have that moment like, I wonder what Jesus would do. But that can't be the complete thought. Can we put the rest of it? Ask him. <laughs> My God lives. I live because he's inside of me. I have fellowship with him. I talk to him. I listen to him. So when I get to a situation, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't just say, let me reread the whole Bible. And see if I get something. No, I say, you know what? Just give me one little half a second there, please. Lord, what do you want me to do? How can I glorify you? How can I be a blessing? But we get stuck at, what would he do? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. You? I don't know. Let's compare all of the books in the Bible and see what we get out. Just ask him. Amen? It says in John 14, verse 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I have said. So many times we get puzzled, and it's just because we're disconnecting. Honestly, guys. We get to the moment when it's the moment of harvest. We're ready. We're ready to just... And then we get puzzled and we get lost and we get confused. And we don't need to be that way. The body of Christ needs to have more action. Amen? We really need to have more action. Would you stand to your feet all around the room, please? I just want to share a couple more things, but... I would like you to just to stand and close your eyes for a moment as I read this, because this is supposed to impact your life in a great way. Okay? I'm going to read John 17 to you, but I just want you to stand with your eyes closed. Listen to this word. Receive this word, please, because it will make all the difference. I have given them your word, and the, word, the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. This is Jesus. Saying that my followers are not of this world any more than I am. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. You see, guys, we get into frustrated situations, difficult situations, and we simply want God to take us out of it. Instead of bringing Him into it. So that He can receive 
the honor and the glory. And there can be transformation in our communities. Bring Him into it. He's not taking you out of it. He will protect you right there in the midst of Him. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. That is one of the most powerful things I have ever read, guys. Jesus came into this world on a mission. And He says just before those verses, He says, I have completed the task that you gave me. The world did not overcome me, but I overcame the world. And Jesus grabs us and He says, I send you. I release you onto this world, this fallen world, this world that is destroyed. I send you out because you have the ability to edify. You have the ability to create, the ability to build up so people can endure, so they can make it, they can finish the race. You have what it takes. You have something amazing from God because you are not from this world. Stop setting your eyes on this world. Set your eyes on Christ, on the things that come from above. I have sent you into this world. What would it be like? Please keep your eyes closed and just think about this. What would it be like if you are sent on a one-week mission trip? And while you're on that one-week mission trip, you buy a house. You buy a car. You buy a monthly plan to watch television. You get set up for years of internet. And you don't speak to anybody about anything. You don't present the gospel to anybody. What kind of mission trip would that be? We are sent here by God. And all we want to do is live comfortably. We need to recognize today we've been sent here by God. Amen. Please keep your eyes closed, guys. I want, I want the Lord to just take you somewhere you need to go and do something to you and you just receive it now. Listen to these words I'm going to read to you because this is something that, that the Father gave to me. Cultivating a community is saving drowning people and then equipping them so they will never be in that situation again. And not only that, but it is to go swimming with them so they don't have to swim alone anymore. Cultivating community is not just going to somebody once. It's doing life with them. You find them drowning and you save them. But that's not enough. Teach them how to swim, but that's not enough. When they go swimming, go swimming with them. Don't let them go alone. We need to be a family and operate as a family. We're operating only as individuals when we need to be a family. I want you to meditate on what you have received from the Lord. I want you to find it, locate it, identify it, and begin to bring it forth. 
Second Timothy says, For this reason I remind you to fan into a flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of hands. Fan into a flame what you have received from God. I want to ask the prayer team, the elders to come forward and prepare to receive whoever it is that is going to come on up. But I really pray, guys, that we begin to abandon our seats. We begin to abandon our comfort zone. And we begin to just enjoy the goodness of God. Enjoy everything He is releasing. And whatever you have, if you are like Cornelius, and you only identify with a little bit, you only identify with a certain amount, but you say, I want more, and I am seeking Him for more. He is about to move people into your life so you can receive more. When Peter showed up, Cornelius and his family, his household, his servants, everyone began to receive more. And I'm just believing that this prayer team and the elders here today have more. I believe they have more to give more. They don't have it to stay with it, to keep it, to hide it. No, they have it so they can manifest it, so they can release it. And I just pray, Father, that every one of us will know the spirit that you gave us. The spirit that does not make us timid or afraid. The spirit that gives us power and love and a sound judgment. Gives us dominion over self. Would you just worship God right there where you are, please? And as soon as you're ready, abandon those seats. Just walk out. Just walk out. This is part of changing the community. First of all, you have to accept change. You have to walk out right now. Walk out from your seat and come forward and join us. Embrace us. Begin to hug people. Love on people. Join hands wherever you are. Also, the children. Wherever your children are, if you want to bring them, bring them now. If you want to tell the teacher to bring them over, bring them over. Let's make this something that is going to go from generation to generation. Let's be sure that not only you are blessed, but your descendants are blessed. If we're going to change the community, we're going to change people at every every type of age. We need to reach everybody. I just want to remind you of something. Keep your eyes closed. I just want to remind you of something, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to start laying hands and joining with everybody else. When Jesus started cultivating his community, his family, he says they must do the will of the Father. Those who do the will of the Father, that is my family. That is my community. And that is my prayer for us here today, that we will do the will of the Father. And I believe, guys, that one of the first things he wants to do in us is that we abandon that comfort zone today. We don't set our eyes on this world anymore, but set our eyes on Him. So whatever you need, whatever we can give you, whatever we can give one another, would you just get it now? Don't leave, don't walk out of this building without getting it now. Get what you need now. Sister, go ahead and lead us. Heavens are open, brothers and sisters. The heavens are open. Brother, you can turn off my mic. Because I'm going to get as crazy as you let me.